Hey guys, welcome back to Figuring It Out. This is episode number five. And on this episode, I have a lovely dear friend. Her name is Nista, and I'm going to link all her stuff down below. So please give a warm welcome to Nista. I just want to give a like personal introduction of her first. So Nista and I met on through TikTok, uh, and we can we can like switch here and see like our different um, our different sides to the story. But basically, we met through TikTok back in the summer of 2020, and I don't even know like how exactly it started. If it started through a group chat that we were also put into, but basically, Nissa and I have been online friends since the summer of 2020, almost two years. And I'm so, so excited to have her on this podcast. It's very personal to me because she had me on her podcast about a year and a half ago. And up until now, she's actually been uh, like inspiring me and motivating me to start my own podcast. And I've been so scared, um, but I finally did start this and it was her, like she messaged me back in December or something. And and I was like, you know what, it's time. And so I'm just really excited to have her on. We've been online internet friends. We have not met in person yet, but that is gonna change soon. I'm hoping to take a trip to the West Coast uh, cause she's over in LA. And Nissa is a, she has a book. She writes poetry, she makes content and she has also been a coach and she's helped me along my coaching journey as well. So please welcome Nissa and Nissa, you can go ahead and say anything else uh, you want to say about what you do and, and what your life is like. Yeah, thank you so much for that. That was so sweet. And I mean, yeah, I can only, I can only attest to like everything Joanne already said. We've been so close for the past two years. I can't believe that we haven't met in person yet. Like it feels like we have known each other for that long and yeah. Um, I just very blessed for the world of social media today because I think you're right. It was a group chat and I think it was our friend Carl who specifically introduced you and I. And then I feel like it just it just went from there and we were both at like this precipice of the start of what this content creation journey was for us and figuring out what coaching really meant for us, what spirituality meant for us. So I think it went, I think it went beyond just a professional connection but it, we we really went into our personal lives and you know our growth journeys and what that's been like in terms of being in college and rethinking your entire career path or like maybe outgrowing friend groups or you know reevaluating relationships so I feel like you've just kind of been everywhere and um, I'm really thankful for that and yeah you have to come out to LA because I am here and Alexis is here too another one of our good friends um, she lives about 30 minutes away from me in um, Orange County so we have a trio girls date that is long overdue, but yeah. I'm just excited to be here. And I'm, I'm really glad that like you started this and um, yeah, I'm excited for just chatting with you today. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. It's, it's really like, I feels like this has been so long in the coming of, of like mm -hmm. having you on my podcast. I was on yours and yeah, it's just awesome to like even get to catch up today on stuff. So uh, I want to hear more about like what your current job is and like what you're currently doing over in LA. Yeah, I honestly love, love my current job. And it's so funny because I feel like when you and I met, I was at a place where I was like, I absolutely do not want a job. I want to work for myself. And this is actually something I made a video about, I think yesterday or two days ago. So I want to start with that. But I basically to anyone listening to this, if this provides any sort of like validation about you staying true to your standards or expectations you know that's kind of the hope with what I'm going to say but I sort of kept voicing out loud that I wanted to work for myself unless an opportunity came along the way that met these five conditions so one of them was it would allow me to relocate another one is that it would basically be aligned to what I'm doing in my personal brand so I could directly tie it in and it would feel like I'm really gaining like tangible results um, another one is that it would be dynamic and different every single day. Um, so I'd just be doing different things and it wouldn't feel repetitive and mundane and like that rinse repeat cycle. Um, and another one is that everyone at the company, or not like everyone, but for the most part, the company culture would be really open to ideas of 
you know, spirituality and the universe and energy and manifestation. Um, and then there was a last one. I think those four were like the main pillars. I feel like there was a fifth one. Um, oh, that it would be very like freedom oriented. Like it would give me more freedom and it would allow me to travel. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, unless a job meets all of those expectations, I am holding my ground and I'm not going to settle for anything less than that. And that was like the promise that I made to myself. And so for the next year and a half, I was working for myself, as Joanna mentioned, with like the coaching and um, with my podcast and, and putting out the poetry and then um, books a one-way ticket to the SF Bay Area over the summer. I was just there and hanging out with my family, some friends that I had met on social media. And that's when I just kept speaking into existence that I am going to get an opportunity somewhere in California and it's going to allow me to have freedom and um, just allow me to relocate. And I didn't know what that looked like. I remember my family kind of looked at me like I was crazy and they're like, so you're not going to get a master's or a PhD. And I was just sitting there and I was like, no, because I have seen what the universe can do. And I believe in it so much. Like I so firmly know that that is going to come to me, but you know, for people who might not resonate with that, they, they, they're not going to entirely get where you're coming from. So just kept saying that out loud. Then in August, I want to say late August, I got a text from a friend saying, hey, I have this job for you. My friend owns a boutique agency in LA and she's looking for a social media manager, like an entry-level ideation social media person. And I was just sitting there and I was wondering why my friend texted me this because I was like, she knows how like much I wanted to work for myself and how almost like anti getting a job working for someone else I was. And so I, when she texted me this, I'm like, I wonder what got her to text me it. And she sent me a video of the the office. And I was like, this is so cute. Like, this is such a cute office. It's in downtown LA. She was like, you would basically have to move here. And I was just sitting there and I was like, why does that sound exciting? Like, why does that, why does something in me want to explore it more? So then I was sitting there and I was obviously asking more questions. I'm like, well, what's the company culture like? What's the founder like? And so she was like, literally the CEO is all about manifestation, mindset, spirituality, women empowerment. I'm like, okay, tell me more. And then I got on a call with the CEO and it was just aligned and it was not even an interview. It was just a conversation where at the end of that conversation, she even told me like, you have attracted this into your life. So like, take it. And I remember sitting there and being like, what other kind of job like interview session would you sit with the founder of the company and they tell you that you've attracted this into your like I was just sitting there and I'm like is this real like what is going on and she literally was like are you ready to pack up your bags and move to LA in two months and I was like yes (laughs) and so I got my bags and I moved and so basically to answer your first question about what I actually do I am a social media manager so our agency works with you know various brands, whether they're skincare, personal brand companies, or they're construction hardware companies, or they're just personal brands. So like what you and I have, just individuals who, you know, have their own content around like dance or mindset or whatever. And we basically work to just increase their exposure on social media. So whichever platforms they prefer, whether that's Instagram or TikTok or Facebook, um, we do all sorts of things across the agency, like you know, making ads and copywriting and doing PR. And then on my end, it really is a lot of that actual content creation, posting across the social media platforms, posting the stories, um, doing some community management here and there. So going into the accounts and answering the questions, um, finding influencers that we want to recruit, doing giveaways, um, some strategy here and there. So it's just fun and I'm doing different things every day and I get to go around LA and just explore different neighborhoods and like shoot content from either like a mansion in Beverly Hills or like um, a cute boutique like downtown grocery store and go in and meet people there so I love it and it just it like meshes with what I'm doing personally because now I can go into my personal Instagram and be like wow I think about this so differently now because I see it from a strategy perspective and a growth perspective yeah such a weird synchronicity because I am actually like I recently got contacted about a job. It's like a, I won't go into it too much, but it's kind of similar. And, and again, like when we, throughout the time that we've known each other, we have had our own coaching businesses. And, you know, at one point we both felt like we just want to work for ourselves. 
But also I came to a point in September of last year where I also like what happened basically, it was an intuitive thing. And I think this kind of, it kind of sounds like what it was for you where someone texted you and you were like, this makes no sense. What, what's going on? So what I did was I was going around where I live looking for wellness centers just to like meet some people and create an in-person network. And so I found this place um, called Stretch Zone. And while I was there, I got this intuitive feeling of just, I like the vibe here. And for some reason, I'm getting this intuitive feeling to work here, uh, even though it's kind of different from, from what I was doing currently. But I was also looking for a part-time job. And, and yeah, it was just one of those moments where I was like, this is not what I thought I would be doing. Um, but it's like, it's a moment where you felt the universe kind of gave you a little something and it was pointing you slightly in a different direction than what you expected. So in that same way, I feel like we both kind of took these slight shifts that we didn't expect. And I just, I think that shows like a lot of growth. Um, and, and then also recently, like I, I'm thinking of this other job and it's kind of similar. Uh, so it's very interesting to see like how our paths have gone this way and like we we're finding ourselves and I mean would you say like how long ago I I know you talked about your job that you were doing out of college or like right at the end of your college degree and and when you had a point in your life when you did feel very unaligned um, was there a point where you felt like you didn't even know your passion or your purpose, what you wanted to do? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I, I love what you said about, um, like before I even answer that about being in stretch zone and feeling like an intuitive calling and being like, wait, what is this? Like, let me explore it. Because I think again, to anyone listening, I love like taking these realizations we have and reminding the audience, like if you're in a place right now where any of what we're saying is resonating for you. And on a conscious level, you may not be able to understand, like, why am I getting a pull to do this? Or why, you know, just maybe allow these stories to help kind of give you that insight of, like, here's what could happen if you listen to this. But, yeah, I think for me, like, in college, when I was feeling unaligned with a lot of the jobs that I was applying to, and, um, you know, like, I think what you're mentioning is probably the internship I did over the summer, like, right before my senior year, and then... I went to Spain right after doing that internship and was like, oh my gosh, I could never come back because I just wanted to go to Spain and like live there. So yeah, I think there was a there was a lot of questioning about like what is my purpose because it's such a vague word. And like I think the the gap is that when you know what your passion, you can know what you're passionate about. I think for me, I always knew that I was really passionate about communications and working one-on-one -on -one with people and traveling and, you know, writing and making content. I think I always knew that, but when it comes to really how you're going to make that into your career and monetize off of it, I think that's where the gap comes into play. So people, you know, the idea of purpose can be very daunting because I think purpose takes the passion and it makes it a lifestyle. And the journey of how one goes about doing that is not something that's taught in school. It's not something that's taught in our education system. So yeah, I definitely was asking that question of like, well, if I'm passionate about communications and writing and I want to, you know, talk about like the idea of purpose in schools and work with kids, like how do I actually make a living off of that? I think that was my question, you know, like how do people manage to do this full time? Like, and none of it made sense to me. I didn't understand how people broke into the public speaking industry and became full-time speakers. So I think my bridge to figure that out was like just watching a ton of those webinars. I feel like for people who might be scrolling on Instagram or Facebook, you might occasionally see those like coaches pop up and like those ads and it might look really salesy, but like I was going to all those salesy webinars that they were hosting being like, I quit my job to travel the world and here's how I did it. Watch my thing below, you know? Again, very salesy, very much like almost like hypnotic writing. But um, I was like, I want to learn what you did. So I went to a ton of those webinars. I think I was going to those on like just every other day, seeing what all of these people did, because I'm like, how did these people in their 20s create this much passive income, 
to then basically retire and travel the world. I'm like, I don't know what they did, but I want to learn it. And that was my bridge. I was just watching webinar after webinar after webinar. Um, I was on TikTok. And so I was seeing people like Haley Hoffman Smith, who we've talked about a lot. Mm -hmm. I've seen people like Manifestation Babe on Instagram and just noticing how these women who are in their mid twenties were already creating so much passive income for themselves that they had so much freedom. And I was like, these women did it right outside of college. Like they graduated. I think both of them had corporate jobs for less than a year. They quit and then they went and started their own empire. And so I'm like, if they can do it, why can't I? And I think that was the point for me where I was like, I don't even know if anyone is going to give me a step-by-step template, but I have to put myself out there and just begin. And the rest of the answers will fall into place. So that's kind of how it started with really like taking a chance on YouTube, which I don't even do anymore, but like, that's the point, right? It's to show that like the answers came from me after I tried doing everything. And now I found what resonates and that's where I'm staying and, you know, trying to grow. Yeah. Yeah. It's so beautiful to see like where you started from and how you got that so much drive to like make a better life and manifest your dreams and like actually go for those things and keep going. Like that takes a lot of determination and a lot of bravery and, and, you know, stepping out of your comfort zone. Um, and then you mentioned earlier, like public speaking and, and purpose. And I wanted to bring up like your TEDx talk that you did a few weeks ago or about a month ago, where you talked about purpose. And I remember something specific you said, where you talked about, um, you said something like how your purpose is a co-creation of you being in the present um, and and something else, but like that, that word co-creation and being in the present, like I really, I liked how you touched on that. And I will link Nesta's TEDx talk down below. So go check that out guys. Like it was great, very inspirational and, and really well done. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, I remember you uh, messaging me after that and saying that you resonated with the word Mm co-creation. And I always use that word because again, going back to the idea of manifesting, I, I think there's that perfect sweet spot of you put in the free will, you put in the commitment, you put in the consistency you've gone out of the comfort zone, the courage is there and the universe will just meet you when it senses that energy. I believe in that fully. So I don't think that, um, I think this hustle mindset, this work hard, play hard mindset is, I I believe that we're shifting out of that paradigm. I don't think it needs to be that hard. Mm -hmm. I think what overpowers hard work, in my opinion, in terms of really getting this dream life that you want is leaving your comfort zone consistently. That's what I've noticed. It's getting out of that bubble. It's showing the universe, hey, here's how much I'm worth and here's how much I'm getting out of what I feel is comfortable for me. So I expect that in return. I expect my reality to look like the decisions and the risks that I'm taking. And um, so I think that's where I, that's where I say co-creation because like, it's so crazy. I've seen direct correlations in my life. And I go into that in the TEDx where I was like, here's one specific thing I did. And then here's a tangible result that came from it. And so the reason I really touched on that in the talk, and I really like touching on that in my content is because I want people to realize that there are fruits of every risk that you take. There are fruits of that, you know, like that effort. And it's not going to waste because I think staying in that hard work and hustle mindset, that's awesome. Of course, you're going to see results. But at the end of the day, if you're just working hard and you're not doing anything different or you're not getting outside of your comfort zone. You're not maybe being introspective and working on your healing. There's so many other elements to it. And I think that if it isn't holistic enough, you can get the results tangibly, but you might not be living the reality that you've always wanted to live. You might not be living in the like levels of satisfaction that you've always wanted to live. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's just something I've noticed for myself when I've really tied in the hard work and the consistency with leaving my comfort zone again and again, even though there were so many times I was anxious and worried along with the healing and the introspection and the self-care. That's when I'm like, wow, I see it in my reality. I see how my entire friend group has changed. My workplace has changed. I live in a different place. Like I see the holistic changes. It doesn't just stay in the professional bubble, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah something you mentioned reminded me of this quote that my old band director used to say, which was like the definition of crazy is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting the same result. 
or no, no, expecting a different result. So mm, yes, yeah, yeah. So I that's what I try to do these days. Is if something isn't working, I'm like, okay, time to try something new. And and I think that really is the key to also like keeping your excitement up about life. Uh, like for example. I was starting to get kind of unmotivated in the second half of last year. And, and when I started this podcast, like that has really, uh, it's really like sparked my passion again, which has been really nice. And so I think something like I want people to know is just like to keep trying new things. And even if you didn't like, even if you didn't think that you would see yourself doing that, just kind of go with the universe and kind of go with the flow of things and and yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I feel like you listen to that like really well too. I mean, like how has that journey been for you? Because now you've graduated college. We met when you were, I think that's been the biggest change like from even when we met to now is like you've stepped out of the student lifestyle into the full-time like entrepreneur, freelancer, creative, like employee, whatever you want to call it, whatever label you want to put on it, but you've stepped into that fully. So like, how has that I guess, just played into your like creative journey and your spiritual journey. Ooh, going from a student to someone like in the real world. Yeah, like um, full time doing your own thing. Yeah, uh, at first, like after I first graduated, I was super excited and I, I did have like so much energy uh, for that summer afterwards. And, but then I definitely hit a wall and, Oh, I mean, there were, there were some really hard, like mindset shifts I had to go through where at one point I did have to prioritize my, my safety or not my safety, but like something you mentioned in a previous podcast episode was Maslow's hierarchy and like how at the bottom, you've got to make sure you're taking care of like food, shelter and all of that. And so for me, like I wasn't getting the income to support like all my food and shelter. So I, that's when I also decided to get a job. And, and that was a hard decision because I felt like I was giving up on my dreams. And I felt like, oh, if I get a job, then, then I'm going against everything I've kind of been saying about how, about like how there aren't any limiting beliefs and nothing is limiting you. So uh, there was a time like about four or five months ago where I did hit like a, a point where I was like, wow, I guess I, I have to kind of take a step back and um, everything. Yeah, it's like it wasn't all that light and love. And, you know, when people talk about law of attraction, manifestation, it's like I kind of had to unfortunately like step away from that for a second and be like, OK, I need to I do need to pay rent and like do the physical things and like actually live in the 3D world and take care of that. Um, so that was something I had to go through. But then I think since then, oh, what am I realizing these days? I think just a lot of going with the flow and like figuring things out and being okay to, to say that I am figuring things out, but to, uh, yeah, to be, to be okay with like being on a journey and not feel like I have to have everything at once uh, I love that I love that that's your podcast name too mm -hmm. I remember we were bringing podcast names together and then you like came out with that one and I remember I hadn't heard, and I was like oh my god I love this like I love how it's just very raw like that's the word it's very raw yeah. and I think it's really also important that you mentioned that like you had to step away from the love and light aspect of all of the law of attraction manifest because I have been thinking about that recently a lot, actually. And it's really, I think I was just thinking about it last night before I went to bed about a lot of like what you see in new age spirituality and this idea that there's no limiting beliefs and you can use law of assumption to create absolutely anything you want. And I'm really glad that you said, you know, that statement about like being in an actual physical world and understanding that there's a duality to all of this. And like, I think there's a lot more that goes into it. And I don't think it's as straightforward as law of assumption. I don't think it's as straightforward as like, you can create absolutely anything you want at any time. Maybe it is, maybe like we have like very subconscious ingrained layers of limiting beliefs that aren't letting us accept that. You know, I always wanted to take accountability and be like, maybe that's a thing, mm -hmm. but I, 
I really think there's a lot more that goes into it. I think there's elements of like, at least for me, I'm very tied to, um, or I wouldn't even say very tied. I would say I resonate a lot with a lot of ideals like from Hinduism where like we really believe in karma and we believe in, um, I'm sure that's something you resonate with too, but we really believe in, you know, certain lessons that you have to go through in this life. And that when I think about it from a law of assumption standpoint, it almost takes away from the importance and the impact of those lessons that one has to go through. So sometimes we have to go through lessons of like understanding what it's like to maybe not have the finances all sorted out and have to learn that financial lesson or maybe have to go through a lifetime fully like of poverty. And maybe that's like a, something that on a soul level we are learning. Mm-hmm. And um, I just feel like it's almost too simple to say that you can just change that instantly. And just because you have limiting beliefs, that's why you can't. But once you get rid of them, you can live this abundance lifestyle where there's enough for everyone. And there, Mm -hmm. you know, because I can understand that from a very like, maybe statistic based standpoint, but I just can't understand that with um, how much I relate to, you know, the idea, the ideas that Hinduism really like I guess portrays with having to go through like death and rebirth and certain lessons and you know being on an overall long soul journey like this massive fool's journey there's so many lessons in each lifetime and there's karma and we have to make up for our karma we we have to pay our our debts energetically in some ways and so I always just wonder where that middle ground is with like this infinite law of assumption whatever lifestyle and then having to go through like the importance of what these lessons are teaching us and own up to the karma that we may have created in the past Mm -hmm. absolutely like I have had so much internal tension about that recently about do I really believe the law of attraction is a like a law like is it an absolute basically. Mm-hmm. And, uh, something I think I've been realizing in the past year is how much gray area there is. It's not, it doesn't, it's not always just black and white between like, okay, the law of attraction is completely true or it's completely not. And even actually the other night I was looking up criticisms of the law of attraction and I've been kind of taking like this more critical thinking approach towards it. Like, you know, is there are there criticisms and like, maybe we should take it with a grain of salt. And so I think that's what has helped me recently is to take it more with a grain of salt. And I've also got more, more into some Buddhist um, ideologies of like, of going the middle way and finding more, like not basically prioritizing balance over, over like being extreme. So I think where the law of attraction, it can get a little too much to the point where it's kind of, uh, it's almost a bit materialistic. It can be if like what you're focused on is like gaining so much money, which is what I was focused on at one point. And, and uh, that can be helpful. And, and so I think the law of attraction can be helpful at some points in your journey when you need some hope or you, you need to like empower yourself. But then I think maybe once you empower yourself, it's more important to then like bring yourself back to a balanced style of living. And um, I realized that like I'm prioritizing different things now. Uh, the money isn't as important as like how I feel day to day and my inner peace and my uh, friendships and connections. And yeah, <laughs> so it's... Yeah it's really been interesting to see how, how your concepts of like what you believe in self-improvement can change over time. Yeah, no, I think, I, I think you're so right. It almost reminds me of, um, one of my friends is like also a mindset coach and so I'll do sessions with her and she, um, introduced me to Tony Robbins, like the human needs assessment, which you might've seen on my close friend story. I posted it like mm-hmm. a month ago or something. Yeah. And, um, she was telling me how these needs can change over time. And like, it just depends on where you are. And it reminds me of like, where, well, I'll go into the needs first. I think the needs are like, um, 
it's like safety, uh, love, um, significance, which is like kind of almost like public recognition. Um, there's like three more. I'm totally blanking on them. Um, if people look up Tony Robbins human assessment, they'll see all of them, there's six of them. And it just depends on where you are um, currently in your journey. One of them is contribution. I just remembered so how much you can like contribute to society. Um, and then there's two more and it just labels them in order of, um, oh, one of them is uncertainty. So there's, there's certainty and there's uncertainty. So how much you need both. Um, and there's contribution, there's significance, there's love. And then I think the last one is, um, I don't think it's safety. There's one more. And it just reminds me of tying it into Maslow's hierarchy because it's like, at one point you, like you said, you were at that, like the tier of the hierarchy where you had to prioritize the food and the shelter. Mm -hmm. And so money of course was on the forefront of your mind because living in this world, that's how you do that. Mm -hmm. um, and so from a law of attraction perspective, it makes sense that you were like thinking about it from a very material place of wanting more to be able to provide for yourself. Um, and there's also probably a part of you that's like, oh, great, I'm giving up on my dreams. So like, you know, it's and then I think now that you have maybe surpassed that tier, mm -hmm. you can be at a place where your needs also have changed. So maybe at that point in your life, certainty was the top. And yeah. maybe now it's kind of drop down a few notches and you're like, oh, I'm ready to travel and, and try something different. So maybe uncertainty has kind of made its way to the top. So I think it's, it's really important to acknowledge that like things are constantly flowing. Like we're all like, as humans, our souls are, we're always in a state of flux. And sometimes yeah. we're in certain states a lot longer than others. And I do believe that intrinsically we have core natures. Like I do believe for myself intrinsically, I have always been a human that has really valued uncertainty. Like mm -hmm. I really, really have always valued like change and spontaneity and adventure, like almost as long as I can remember. I've never been that person that's wanted certainty. And uh -huh. I think that's just an intrinsic part of who I am. But like, you know, I also think that throughout my life, like maybe my need for um maybe my need for love has changed. I think currently when I took the human needs assessment, love was like almost at the bottom, but maybe in like a couple years from now, uh -huh. love might be a little bit more at the top. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I think it just changes at where you are in your life. And I think also in your healing journey, like how much you are willing to heal certain parts of yourself. Cause like I said, for me, I think, and you know, this like even relates to the conversation we were having about avoidant attachment style. I think I run away from love and I think I run away from intimacy. And so when I saw my assessment and that love was like the second to last value I had, I was like, that, because that kind of makes sense. But I wonder if there is, you know, a part of me that after I heal and I work on an avoidant attachment pattern that maybe in a few years from now, it would be mm -hmm. higher. Maybe it wouldn't be number five on my list of six, maybe it'd be number three. Um, but I know that you resonate with avoidant attachment as well. And like, yeah. I don't think there's enough conversation on that. And I don't think there's enough, at least from what I've noticed, women talking about their avoidant attachment. You see yes. a lot on TikTok about women like um, calling out men and fuckboys yes. for like, you know, like, oh, he just ghosted me. Oh, he's going to do this to me. And then it's so funny because I will look at those TikToks and be like, I'm the guy. Oh. I'm the one who does this to people. And I, feel like I don't have enough women friends who can relate to that because a lot of my women friends don't identify as that mm -hmm. and so I'll tell them about my patterns and they'll kind of look at me like girl you, you need some help so when you told me that you resonated I was really excited to hear like what your journey with that has been like like however much you feel comfortable sharing of course Oof, yes I would love to go into this um it's so true that like you hear a lot of women calling out men but they're it exists in women too. Um, and we probably just, I don't know why it's not talked about so much yet, uh, but you're the first person I've really seen talk about it. And I really admire that. I think it's because there could be shame around it, right? Because like, as a woman, like I feel shame around having that because a lot of my other women friends are like, oh, like my friends will joke with me. They're like, Nista, if you were a guy, I would never date you. Like I could never date you because like, you just leave everyone. And I'm like, oh, and so it's made me feel not proud of my behavior and I think maybe that's why a lot of women don't talk about it I also just think statistically there is 
most women, like I, I think you and my other friend, who's a girl, like who's, you know, we're the only, you guys are the only two I know who identifies avoidant attachment. All my other women friends are either secure or they're anxious. And so I really can't relate to, to them with attachment style conversations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm trying to think of specific examples of what I can tend towards. And usually, so it's definitely a specific example here is like with a family member, um, they try to help me a lot. And sometimes I, I I have a pattern or like I've something I'm still healing is self-sabotage. That's, that's a big thing that's been with me throughout like my teenage years and up until now. So I think self-sabotage might also relate to avoidant attachment where you kind of want to, you, it's almost like part of you wants to make that relationship worse because you feel like you don't deserve it. And I think, you know, we, we both studied psychology and like, there's so much interesting psychology that goes into this. Um, but yeah, I think what I can do sometimes or what I've done in the past is uh, not reply to someone because I, I think a part of it is avoiding confrontation, being scared of conflict, confrontation, being scared to like disagree with someone and being scared to make things like tense between you two. And then also I can remember certain instances like in romantic relationships where I started to kind of give up on the relationship. Um, and one specific relationship where I was dealing with emotional abuse. So like, I kind of started to avoid talking to that person. I didn't text them very much. I wasn't the first one to text them very often. And that is kind of part of avoidant attachment where like, you're, that's how I see it. Where like, you're avoiding them in order for them to come to you first in order for them to like give you the attention first instead of you being the initiator so yeah for me like um I don't like to be the initiator usually whether it's like a positive or negative conversation just because I feel I just I don't know I, I like when people come to me more and especially like if it's an intimate relationship um I can tend to be that way yeah, yeah, that's really vulnerable. So like, I appreciate you just sharing that. But yeah, I and it's interesting hearing your perspective, because I feel like there's parts of that that I'm like, oh, yeah, I do that too. And then there's parts where I'm like, oh, I don't know, I think it manifests a little differently for me. Mm -hmm. Because I think with the whole initiator thing, I think there's some so I, I don't mind initiating until I feel like I am doing it too much. And then I can feel my ego almost getting into it and being like, I'm not going to do this anymore. And it gets in the way. And then it's like, I want the other person to initiate first. But I also notice that if the other person is initiating more than me, whether it's in a romantic or platonic relationship, I get freaked out and I'm like, this is, and I want to run. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's the thing about avoiding attachment is that we are afraid of losing our independence. So like when people are clingy with me or they really like spending time with me and they continuously voice that to me or continuously want to hang out with me, there's a part of me inside that feels like I need to run. It's like a survival instinct that turns on and it's like, I need to absolutely do everything I can to distance myself from this person because my deepest fear in that is they're going to suffocate me they're going to control me they're going to take away my freedom which obviously on a rational level my brain knows there's no way that that is possible if I like there's no way that's possible but that's how you know the primal brain acts that's what mm -hmm. I'm feeling in my body physiologically is happening um so when I do notice like a guy being clingy with me or a friend being overly affectionate mm -hmm. there's a part of me inside that like freaks out and I need my distance and I can distance myself um yeah. like drastically or I notice that I'm similar to you in the people-pleasing aspect where confrontation has always been difficult for me and communication has always been difficult for me out of fear of tension um or the person getting upset yeah. and I think that because I avoid that I allow things to accumulate over time and then um ultimately when I it just like kind of hits the that breaking point for me. I'm like, all right, bye. And I will, in an instant, I have this ability, this horrible toxic ability to just 
remove you off of all of my social media and never ever talk to you again and you could have been my closest friend for years Mm -hmm. so that's what I have been working on (laughs) that is what you know that's why I did my last podcast is to be like Mm-hmm. talking about avoiding attachment isn't to excuse anything that we do but right. it's to humanize it and show you that there is something inside yeah. that we are running away from and that is what we need to heal because obviously we don't want to be perpetuating patterns like that we don't want to just be cutting people off and hopping off the grid for the rest of our lives like that's not something that I'm proud of doing or something that I want to continue doing but it's something I have done in the past and it alarms me at my ability to be able to do that that quickly without looking back. Um, there is shame and there is regret, but it alarms me that I can, that I am able to do that. Um, and so that's when I think I was like, your girl needs to figure herself out. And um, I just want to talk about it more because I don't, I just don't know enough women who can relate to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I relate to the friendship thing. Like that's where it has also showed up in my life a lot is I've had a couple friendships where I've ended them because I felt um, very unheard in those friendships. And I kind of felt like I was, I was just there to, to be their supporter instead of like to be equals in the friendship. And yeah, that's happened to me a couple of times. And again, like I could have brought it up more and I could have like confronted them about it more. Um, But then it got to a point where I really couldn't take it. And so I did end two friendships that I can think about uh, specifically. And I feel really bad. I even have, I've had dreams about one specific friend who I was really close with. I've had so many dreams where like we've reunited and things have been, have like gotten better between us. And like, it's something that's still on my mind is just how, like, how I feel bad about how it ended. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, if it did keep going, I'm not sure if we could have kept it going anyway. But yeah, I definitely relate to you about um, feeling like you want more space in a friendship or uh, if someone can like attach to you too much in the beginning where you, you start to feel kind of like claustrophobic. And I'm so, I'm thinking right now, like, why do we even feel that way? What makes us feel like we need space and why doesn't that happen to other people? I, I think it's, um at least for me, and this is, this might be super woo-woo for some people listening, but so obviously I, it comes from trauma, right? Like anxious, both anxious attachment and avoidant attachment mm-hmm. come from some kind of trauma. And I'm not going to lie, my, and I always tell my friends this, and I think my friends are also like, okay, like, sure. But my childhood growing up, like, I really cannot think back to anything that happened in my childhood that would correlate to why I have avoidant attachment because I'm an only child I grew up with thankfully in a very functional household my parents like growing up throughout my life were you know obviously they were you know foreign immigrant parents so there were there was a lot of like comparison going on and the typical things that you would see in like an Indian family growing up that trauma exists but in regards to avoidant attachment ultimately that comes from having to abandon one's own one's own needs like that is what the trauma comes from and with my family growing up fortunately it was the opposite because I'm an only child and I was the only daughter and I came from like an Indian household where the tradition is you just give everything to your kids until literally they can provide for themselves or are married there's no age there's no like cut off at 18 none of that exists like you just keep giving to your kids and my parents still provide to me so if anything I've had it the opposite. I've never had to parent my parents. I've never had to abandon my own needs. I've honestly, I'm I'm very pampered. My parents treat me like a freaking princess. And it's something my friends will make fun of me about. They'll be like, oh, you're such an only child. Like you're so pampered, you know? And I am, it's like to the point where I have had to learn to be an adult after moving out of the house because my parents just smother me. Like they give me everything. Mm -hmm. So the woo-woo part of it is I really deeply feel, um, and I know this is something you resonate with, but I feel it's from very deep past life trauma, very, very, very deep past life trauma for me around like being in controlling relationships, controlling marriages, because I deeply feel and every reading that I've done into like what my past lives have been that have really hit home for me have all been that I was in very controlling families that 
arrange me to a person. I was in very controlling marriages and I never had the freedom to explore who I am. I was just forced to do the traditional, get married, have kids, put my career aside. And again, people listening to this would be like, girl, how do you even know that? That all sounds crazy. I don't even believe in past lives. And oh, that's fine, but like, yeah. 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 I just, I see it in this life because I'm like, no wonder I'm so, since I was a child, I have been so anti-relationships, anti-marriage, anti-having kids. Like since I was little, like as a four or five-year-old thinking about those things and having such a physiological response in my body that I'm like, wow, I remember like other girls in the cafeteria growing up, they would talk about like their kids' names. And I would remember hearing that and feeling panicked in my body, like feeling panicked as a child. And that's when I look back at these things and I look back at my avoidant attachment in relationships and how I've always feared commitment. I've always feared marriage. I can't to this day picture myself being in a marriage for the rest of my life and being happy and not stagnant. I can't visualize that. And it just makes sense. And I see how career driven I am. And I'm like, this makes sense that this comes from past lives of not having any of what I have today. So that's where I think it comes from for me. And because I believe that we incarnate multiple times, I don't think it's just been one past life. I think it's been patterns and patterns of doing that, that I have tried to overcome. And this is the life where my soul is like, mm-hmm. we're not doing any of that anymore. So that's what I feel for myself. And I would love to hear like, wow. just where you think it could possibly stem from for you, what you think about past life trauma, like. Yeah, well, first, um, so you've done past life regressions with with like not like regressions I've done like um like asking to like tarot of like uh-huh. patterns in my past life but my son, okay. I'm scared to do or I would love to do a regression I'm kind of scared because I know sometimes if you're not ready for it you can see things that can really like so I don't know if I I'm very curious but I'm scared to go mm-hmm. there yeah I've never done one either okay so for me where did it come from gosh I'm like completely blanking I think maybe from my my current life, my current, like my childhood in this life. I don't know. I, I really need like a psychic to help me with this. <laughs> I think, you know, there was probably some trauma in my childhood. And like what I can specifically think about is how I personally attracted a lot of friendships where I felt very unheard. And yeah, so I think for me, feeling unheard has been a big theme throughout my life. And I'm also in general, like a pretty quiet person. And I'm still trying to work on expressing myself and like uh, getting my voice out there more. And even like day to day, uh, there's so many thoughts that go on in my head that I don't even express. And it almost feels like there's a disconnect between the person that is talking and the person that's like in my head. Um, And so anyways, that's why like I've gone into a lot of mindfulness stuff and meditation helps me with that. I think overall in my life, like I've just struggled with uh, speaking my truth and um, yeah, just like taking what's going on up here and then saying what, like expressing it uh, vocally. So yeah, it's definitely something like I need to go into more and figure out where did this come from? But uh, yeah, it's like feeling unheard has definitely been a big theme for me. and that is actually what led me to going into this. That's part of the reason. And that's what led me to doing a TEDx talk like a few years ago where I felt so unheard. And I mean, I'm very sensitive. So there was like one person in high school, I remember who I went on a date with and behind my back, they they said that I was quote unquote boring. And for some reason that just like infuriated me so much. And it got to me and that's, that's kind of like a little tiny trigger that led me to doing a TEDx talk. Cause I was like, all right, well, let me show you what I have to say. Yes. Yeah. Let me show you. I'm not boring. I just am quiet. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, side tangent, but I think I can get triggered by those things. And I just, yeah. I mean, that's part of like the whole going into content thing too, is just wanting to heard Mm -hmm. I love that I really love that you're able to like channel that through 
empowering others, like making content to empower others, you know, because like a lot of people who feel that way may, they may allow that wound to almost engulf them further and like pull away more from the world and pull away more. And like, even hearing a comment like that, you know, like someone calls you boring, they would probably be like, oh, great. Well, now I'm never going to do anything again, but for you to be like, that's my fuel. Like, let me just show you. Um, that takes a lot of strength and courage. So like, goodbye high school date, but, um, (laughs) tell me more about your TEDx guys. I have, you have to send me the link to that. Can I just type that in on YouTube? Sure. Yeah. I'll send you the link. Um, so I did that. It was almost five years ago now. Yeah. That was, um, my senior year of high school. And basically I heard that we were doing our first TED event. Um, and the theme was going to be motivate TED motivate Ted, like a pun. Um, And so because of that, I was like, you know, I could really give a a speech on motivation because I was a drum major earlier and like the drum major is kind of the leader of the band. That was also a big stepping stone for me becoming a leader, like in front of a hundred of my peers, like that was very intimidating for me. Um, But again, it's like my whole life, I've kind of had this, this like inner rage to, (laughs) to like, put myself in a leadership position to show people like to prove myself. Um, yeah. So with the TEDx talk, I, it was one of those intuitive feelings where I was like, this scares me, but I want to show people that I do have something to say. And I'm not just like the quiet person all the time. And like, uh, and then I also wanted to use it to talk about how I did have depression when I was like 14 and how I had kind of gone through that journey and something you know, I wanted to talk about what I learned from it. And again, it's like, I would, I would think about my depression, like watching me give a TEDx talk. And I was like, you know, this will show you (laughs) as, you know, again, it's like that. I I'm a Leo rising if you're into astrology. So my Leo rising is, is definitely that part of me that like wants to be shown and be seen that's really interesting and compliment to your cancer. Uh, and what's your moon? Yeah, I'm a cancer sun and then I'm a Virgo moon. Your Virgo moon. How, how does that play into, so what does that, like, what's a Virgo? Because I know what Virgo is as a sun sign, but what, when it comes to processing your emotions, how does that, what is that? Yeah, still figuring that out. A Virgo moon, I think it just means, well, Virgo is like more of a grounded sign. Uh, so I think it's like, kind of like you want to process things logically as like a Virgo and you want to organize. Organize, yeah. For me, like, uh, as I used to make content about embracing emotions and feeling them, I'd be like, I'd like break it down. Okay, this is what an emotion feels like. It can come up in 90 seconds. And so for me, learning about emotions, I think that's where it's Yeah. That, okay, that makes a lot of sense. That is, I, I did not know that you were Leo rising. Yep. And my North node is Leo. So it's like, you know, if oh, you- so it's presenting yourself. Right, right. Yeah, so if you guys listening don't really know like about North node, South node, that's like a whole nother thing in astrology. Uh, what I have read, what I know about it is that your South node is like, where you're going away from that's where you were in past lives like that's the personality you kind of used to show and then your north node is what you're moving into in this current life uh what personality kind of that you're moving to so yeah for me it's like I definitely want to be seen more and like be more of a public speaker and even though as a cancer I'm sensitive and I like to be alone and have introspection I never would have guessed that you're only arising. Yeah. It makes sense with everything you're saying in context now, but I never like even sensed that for a second from like our entire <laughs> friendship or anything you've put out. Usually you can sense little like different, because like sometimes like someone will have, like I'll know someone's sun sign and I'll see their content on social media and be like, this is interesting. Like I'll, I'll literally have that question in my head. I'll be like, I wonder what else is in their chart. Cause there's something else going on here. But with you, I've never had that feeling with you. It's always been like very watery, very oh, water sign. Like yeah. I've never, had, and I mean that in the best way. It's like, yeah. cause I'm just like, <laughs> the people I know who are Leo's can be a little bit, like, I love them. They can be a little bit toffee. Yeah. But with you, it's like, I don't even sense 
the slightest hint of even wanting to be showy or wanting to be. So I think it's it's in a very maybe perhaps for your journey it's in a very healthy way of mm-hmm. just being you to the world and showing that and like not being afraid to show up as you are. Right. Yeah. For for me, I it's probably it doesn't seem like I'd be have Leo or fire in my chart because I'm very I try to be very humble and I have this <laughs> I have like a little bit of a fear of being seen as the opposite of humble and like being seen as showy or like uh, mm-hmm. narcissistic. And so I really try to um, go against that and like try to show the opposite. And and then sometimes, you know, but that can be at my disadvantage because when you try to be extremely humble, it could also play into like low self-esteem. If you already have low self-esteem, like it could promote that mindset of like, I shouldn't be feeling so high about myself. Yeah, there's always a middle ground. And I really think it's also at the end of the day, everyone is going to perceive the image that you put out differently based on where they are, their own projections, their own wounds, right? So I've thought about that a lot too, because like I, in my content creation journey, I've definitely put out things that, intentionally are boastful and intentionally are cocky because of how much wounding and pain I've had from people it's like the same wounds as you where I've just felt unheard I felt like I didn't know myself I felt um what's the word um just like people have doubted me or underestimated me and so I put out content that's like well let me just show you and I have intentionally put in like boastful energy in that and I am at a place now where I'm just like maybe I'm going to simmer down in 2022 and not do so much of that kind of content. But ultimately what I've taken away is that like, just some people get really, really hyped when they see that content. And then some people are just kind of like, like I'll show, if I show my mom, she's like, don't do stuff like this. So like, it's, I think it just depends on where you are in your journey. I think it depends on how healed you are. I think it depends on your upbringing. Like for my mom, you know, her upbringing was very like, if you show it's like that evil eye mentality that's very common in at least like um middle eastern and indian culture where it's like if you show too much people are going to send you bad energy it's going to get taken away from you so she's like don't do all of this like just do it for yourself um and then i see people who are like being cocky can take you can take you places being boastful can take you places and showing what you do like it's interesting because those videos right kind of go into it with that mentality are always the videos that perform better statistically and they will always be the videos that like I'll just end up getting a discovery call with someone because they'll be like hey I'm going through this exact same thing in college where like I feel like none of my friends get me and I just want to talk to you about it and then I'm like wow they found that really like (laughs) cocky video of mine but that's what's helping me ultimately make a transformation for for this person on this call like so it's interesting because like I've had um this is actually a little example story. The reason I'm in LA today is because I, I said that one friend texted me saying, mm-hmm. um, you know, about the job opportunity. That friend found me through TikTok because of a video I made that was a little bit, a little bit on the cocky side that went viral. She found that video because the same thing happened to her. And so she DM'd me being like, hey, my friends did this to me too. And like, can we talk about this? And so we got on a call and we just talked about how like both of our friends treated us the same way in college. We became best friends. And then a year later is when she sent me this job. And now I'm here in LA and I think back to it. And I'm like, if I had never posted that video, I don't know if she and I would have been friends and bonded in the same way. Mm -hmm. And the only reason she texted me about this job is because of how close our friendship got and like how much we had bonded on a personal level and she knew me as a person my work ethic and then you know so I think about that and I'm like I think there are ways to if you were treated unfairly and you're able to take that and make content out of it Mm -hmm. but in a way that's like even a little bit of like hey this is me now yeah from a branding perspective it's going to perform really good because Mm -hmm. um there's four components. My, my boss taught me this because she has this book. I think it's like uh, telling your, t- telling a brand story or telling your brand story, but mm-hmm. there's like four components that make a good, um, that make good content. And basically one of them is like 
having a villain <laughs> in the content. Oh. And the last, and so when you can show that you are, it's like the hero's journey. So you right. can show that there's a villain and you've, and so a lot of my content where it's cocky and I, I put in like pieces, like things that people have said underestimating with me, like things my ex said to me, things my, mm-hmm. and I'll put that in. I always notice those perform so well. And I'm like, the reason they're performing well is because every person watching it is watching from the perspective of the protagonist as, it's yeah. as if you were watching a movie. Oh, so they're yeah. seeing the villain, they're seeing yeah. my ex, they're seeing my college friends, they're seeing all these people that I put in my videos as their villain. Mm-hmm. And so when I overcome whatever in the video, they're relating to me overcoming it. Yeah. And so I've thought about it. And I'm like, if you can do it well, <laughs> and I get into a branding perspective and like understand the repercussions of what you're putting out, mm-hmm. there's going to be thousands of people watching it. They're all going to interpret it in their own way. But ultimately mm-hmm. at the end of the day, what matters is like your intentions, what you're walking away from that content with. Mm-hmm. Um, how you feel, how it's making you feel, why you're doing it, and just being interest not even introspective, just being aware of that every time you're showing up. So yes. I think there's a, there's there, there's a lot of value in humility, and there's a lot of value in also being able to brand well and using things that have happened to you in your past to your advantage from a creative standpoint. So, right, right. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. I've also talked to my boyfriend about this. Like, what is the balance between, for me, talking about depression uh, and, like, I don't want to bring people down by talking about it so much. Um, and I also don't want to make myself seem like a victim, like I'm still a victim, right? It, it's like there's this balance you find between telling your story of when, of something you struggled with, but then like telling it from a place of authority to where like you've learned from it and it doesn't like affect you so much. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I think what first comes to my head, cause I know you just kind of threw that out as more of like a retort, like just like, mm-hmm. you know, that's your thought. But I think the first yeah. thing that came to my head is more of um, being able in that content to say, this is what I've learned from it mm-hmm. or show like here's like not here's where I am now in a cocky way but here's like where I've gotten to here's who I've grown to become here's how different things are for me now so kind of like the conversation you and I are having but um or even like if you were to make a video about the depression it could almost the title of it can be like here's what my depression taught me or you know what I mean so like stating it as like this was a thing but like I've grown to become this person because of this yeah yeah, it's definitely an interesting balance between uh, not wanting to look like you're still hurting from it or, and and like not taking that victim mindset, basically. Um, that's something that I've also had to like work on myself with, uh, not like not looking at myself as a victim and or even in the past, but like taking that, what's it called? Like responsibility, self, self-authority to, to stand. Yeah, ownership ownership of what you've been through and what you know about it now yeah I love that I feel like we could just go on for days like I just looked at the time like we've really been here for like I think over an hour just over an hour yes (laughs) yeah it's just been great to like catch up with you and there's so much that I relate to you about and the content you put out and I just feel so heard and like the messages that you talk about um and I've always related to that with you. And so it's it's been so special to have you on here and just like to still still be talking to you. And one day we will meet in person. Like I I am hoping to go to the West Coast sometime this year. So it's just crazy because I don't know if you feel this way, but for me at least, like I met you right when I started my content journey and was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just filming videos every day and posting them, hoping that things will pan out for me. And like, I really met you like on the start of that journey because it was the summer of 2022. So I feel like I attracted like this friendship at a point in my life where like I was questioning everything and I didn't know, like, like I I wanted friends like this. I wanted conversations like this. And so it's, it is very special, like just to, you know, reiterate like how you're feeling for me a year and a half later when I feel like you know, speaking for myself, at least like I'm in a place where I feel a little bit more 
balanced and heard and stable and seen at this point in my life than I was when I met you. It's very special to have had you on that journey, like along the way. And um, even if like, you know, we haven't been talking like every single week, it's right. just been very special, even like every month to be like, here's my big update. Like here's what happened this month or I know I can just pick up my phone and send you a voice note being like, yeah. Hey, I did this thing, by the way. <laughs> like, I know it's been so nice. We just, it like, it's one of those friendships that picks up where it left off. And yeah. yeah. Well, thank yeah. you so much for having me. And like, you're very welcome. I'm and for you to keep doing this and to everyone listening, like just, I don't know, like, I'm just so proud of Joanna for being here. And like, this is episode number five. And I'm sure you guys are going to hear so many more like amazing stories and like conversations and ideas along the way on, on, on her show. Yeah. Thank you, Nista. And please let everyone know where they can find you, how they can support you, all of that. Yeah. Um, so feel free to find me on Instagram. That's at Nista Dubé. So it's N-I-S-T-H-A-D-U-B-E. Um, same on TikTok at Nista Dubé. My website is at Nista <laughs> Dubé.com. So you'll just see everything there. If you want to just find my podcast rising or my book beyond the skin all of them are just kind of on the homepage of my website um and then uh i think the tedx link i will send to joanna if you guys just mm -hmm. want to check that out um yeah that can be in the description yeah i will i will link all her stuff below go check out her book uh beyond the skin like it's an amazing poetry book i i love it and check out the tedx talk and all of that so so um and then also her podcast rising and yes and yeah, but guys like Nista, someone who really got me to start doing this podcast. So thank you very much. Thank you for being here. Thank you. All right. Well, everyone, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Give this show a five-star rating and share on your stories if you can. All right. Well, bye everyone. Have a great rest of your day.